Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. I'm Kate Norris. I'm Thomas Craft. And we're here to help you plan, design, and deliver your best presentation. Welcome to episode 86 of the show. And today we've got a guest on who we've been trying to get on for some time. And it turned out to be like one of the best conversations that I can remember having in some time. We got really deep with this conversation. Yeah, we really did. And the parallels between what he was saying and what we believe and teach was massive. If you want to continue talking about it, do come and join us in our online community. Search Facebook for the group Presentation Bosses or there's a link down below. Today's guest is Vin Jang. Now, as Thomas said, we have followed Vin for a long time. We've tried to get him on the podcast for a long time. We've actually both done one of his online courses and it was brilliant. Yeah. And he's so different to most of the speakers out there. He's got such a unique skill set of magic that's just such a unique point of difference. So he has spent quite a few years in the US, but he's recently moved back to South Australia. And we were lucky enough to grab an hour with him and record this conversation. Yeah, joined us from Adelaide. I don't think we've had a guest from Adelaide before, so that's kind of cool. But previous to this, I have spent countless hours, not just in his online course, but listening to him in other podcasts and watching his stuff elsewhere. There's just always something I find to learn from what Vin says. So we're going to hear a bit more from Vin, but before we do, Kate, why don't you tell us about our guest? All right. With only six months to graduate, Vin Jang left his degree in commerce and law to become an online magic teacher, ultimately building a hugely successful online business, which now serves over 800,000 students all around the world. This earned him the award of Top Young Entrepreneur in Australia. Vin is now a motivational and inspirational keynote speaker and uses magic as his metaphor when he speaks. He's found a way to make the medicine taste good. He believes that presentation ability is the skill that often separates those that succeed from those that do not. Often underestimated, it is one of the core traits of all leaders and influencers, and it's what gives them a key point of difference. So welcome, Vin, to the Presentation Boss podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really nice to meet you both. And Vin, we've heard your official bio now, but can you tell us what are you passionate about when you're not just at work? Oh, so outside of work, I am a gamer. So I love really? gaming. Yes, I am. I love playing games. I, I, play, I, I play them terribly, but I love it. <laughs> right. So I love RPGs. I love kind of, you know, I love action games. I love first person shooters. Uh, to name a few that I do really enjoy to play with my friends. I love PUBG. I don't know if you're aware of what that is, but I'm huge not, fan but, of PUBG. Yeah, okay. Okay. Huge fan of that. Play with my friends. Uh, love League of Legends. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Classic. Another big one. Yes. And then most recently, Assassin's Creed Vikings. Fantastic. <laughs> I've sunk at least 10 hours into that. That's a fantastic game. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, so I do that. Cool. I mean, that's one thing I do love. And, and to me, outside of that, I just, I love having great conversations, lots of laughs and really yummy food. That's very cool. I have um, stalked you just a little bit. I follow you on LinkedIn and a couple of other platforms. And I often see you go to restaurants and um, talk about their food. So I, I, yeah. I've seen you do and, that. And more recently, probably because we, we're all kind of staying home more. So I've been getting into barbecuing. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I love barbecuing, getting a nice cut of meat, cooking it really mm-hmm. tasty and eating it with friends. Yeah. Awesome. So I have a question. Do you do magic just kind of for fun, just in your own time? Not anymore. 
Mag- magic is something that was, it's almost like a, a previous lover. And, uh, you know, we don't talk about it. No, we do. But it's, it's, to me, magic for me now has become more of a, it's become a tool to help me teach. It's become a tool that helps me make the medicine taste good for the students, mm-hmm. as opposed to be, being something that I'm deeply passionate about and something I deeply love. It's something I've actually fallen out of love with uh, and, and use more now as just a tool. Okay. Well, how, how, long ago have you, how long ago did you start doing the magic thing? It's been nearly your whole adult life, right? Or more? Yeah, I started it when I was about 13. Yeah. 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 And I did it because I wanted to find a girlfriend. So I, <laughs> I, I, did, I did magic because I never got attention, you know, from the ladies. And I was like, what if I did magic though? And, and it kind of worked for a little bit and, you know, but they didn't like me. They liked my magic. So I, I, magic actually helped me build self-confidence, but then it actually became a problem for me because I couldn't have a conversation with you without my playing cards because my ah. confidence was attached to my cards. If I left it at home, it's going to be a shit day. So. Right. Okay. Mm. Um, mm. Do you, you've got at least one child, just the yes. one at the moment. Yep. Yes. Um, yep. Do you do magic for him? Yes. He doesn't appreciate it though. Oh, he, no. cause, Cause he doesn't, he doesn't really get it. He's like, you make something disappear and he's like, Oh, cool. Yep. Sorry. I mean, I can do that with and my like, kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's funny because I'm starting to see it now where you see his brain ticking. Like, wait, before it was just like, so what dad, you know, cool story, bro. Whereas now you see him going, wait, what? Where did it go? And then once I did something and it just freaked the crap out of him and he started crying. So I'm like, wow, <laughs> magic is horrible for little children right now. So not yet. I think in another six months to a year, I think he'll start to, he'll, he maybe will, will, will think his dad is cool. So, so what was it, Vin, that made you transition from magician into speaker? You know, the big thing for me, Thomas, is that magic after all for me, I think like with all things, right? When you do something for a long time, it, it kind of becomes mundane and it gets a bit monotonous, right? So for me, it started to become monotonous after a while. And ultimately for me, not, not saying that this is relevant to all magicians, but for me as a magician, what happened was the applause that the audience gave me became a little bit old after a while because you were clapping for me for an ability that I don't actually have. You're clapping for me for an ability that I fake. It's not real. I didn't really read that person's mind. I used sleight of hand to be able to obtain the word that they were thinking of that they wrote down on a piece of paper. So, 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 so to me, as a result of doing this after a while, I, I no longer got fulfillment from performing. And then that's when I kind of accidentally fell into speaking. And when I fell into that accidentally, because I didn't intentionally think about becoming a speaker, then I was like, what is this thing? Like, it, there's so much fulfillment. I, I feel so good. I feel like the applause now is different. There's, there's meaning. I wasn't just entertaining you. I, I provided value in a different way. And then that's when I went, wow, this world exists. And then, then I kind of just became a mad scientist about how I can become a speaker and, and play this game. Yeah, right. So what then, because you're so much about the delivery. So why do you think the ability to present effectively is important? Well, look, I, I feel like all of us have ideas, right? We all have ideas, we all have thoughts, we all have something we want to communicate. It doesn't matter what it is that you do, you know, whether you're training people in communication or you're an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, an electrician, a painter, whatever it is that you do, you have to be able to communicate that to another human being for them to be able to buy into what you do. Uh, even if it's love, even if you, you have a lot to offer as a lover, as a potential partner, 
if you can't communicate that across in the right way, people won't understand. And as a result, won't buy into who you are and what you do. And then as a result, we aren't able to move through life with ease. You know, we kind of keep kind of running into roadblocks, right? And, and to me, the ability to communicate effectively and the ability to deliver what you do with clarity, with passion, is going to help you move through this life with, with a greater kind of force. Otherwise, and I see this all the time in my students. I, I While I was in the US, I was lucky enough to, to train thousands of people and, and I had students who were technically brilliant. The, what they had to offer the world was incredible. But then as a result of their inability to communicate effectively, the world didn't see them for how amazing they were. So, so it's, it's such a shame. It's such a shame because again, mm. you know, and then, and then you see them, they kind of blame the world. They go, oh, damn, these people, they don't understand my brilliance. They don't understand my talent. They don't understand my skill. And you can choose to blame the world or you can take control yourself and improve your ability to communicate those things to the world. So, so that, that, that's why I think it's so important because I think everyone yeah. innately is amazing. You just have to learn how to communicate. You're amazing. Yeah. And it seems to be that people are born with either the gift of talking or the gift of the brain and matching those up is something that you have to learn very specifically. And it's so easy for people to perceive me as someone who has the gift of talking because I don't, I didn't start with that. Like when I run my online virtual masterclasses, one of the videos that I don't really share publicly, but I found the courage to share them kind of in my private classes is I, I show you the video of me when I just started and it's awful. Really? It's awful. I, I got a video of me from just eight years ago and you wouldn't, you both would not recognize me in that video. It's just, it was bizarre because I, I used to be so afraid of even, you know, talking in person that like I'll, I'll, a client, I remember eight years ago, it wasn't even a client. It was just someone who said, oh, would you come speak to us? And I go, yeah, I'll make you a video, but I won't go there to speak with you. And, and then I watched back that video and it's, it's really bad. It gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. And, and what people don't understand is because I grew up in the Asian culture, right? My, my family, my culture doesn't value soft skills. You know, they're like, that's why they call it soft. Because it's soft. <laughs> you know, we want, we want the hard skills. So, you know, my, my parents never encouraged me to speak up, never encouraged me to, you know, to, to talk about how I felt. You know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't until later years in life that my parents went, oh, this is actually really important. And so I grew up not valuing it either. So I just thought, you know, I'll just become really good at the technical stuff. Fascinating. Yesterday, driving home, I saw a quote on the back of a truck. And it right. said, even if it's written in stone, grab a hammer and chisel. And I've been thinking about that. I've just thought of it again, of this idea that like where you start, like, like you say, you're in a culture that doesn't value that, doesn't mean mm. you can't pick up your hammer and chisel and damn learn the skills, like be good at it, right? Such a good metaphor. I love that quote. That's so good. Mm. Thanks for sharing it. That's brilliant. And yeah. it's true. It's true because, because there, there's, there's this illusion, you know, speaking of magic and whatnot, right? But there's an illusion that people have of people who can communicate well. And the illusion is, oh, yeah, they were born with that. That's mm. not real. That's mm. not real. And, and, and as a teacher in this kind of arena now, like, like you both, it's, it's just we've got to make people realize that that's, if, if there was ever once a good place to use the word, that is fake news, Right. And it, and it is not real. It is an illusion that, that, that you're creating in your own head. It's, it's like the illusion that people see when they think I'm reading somebody's mind. I'm not. It seems like I am, but I'm not. Yeah. But that's so inspiring because you either see people who are brilliant or people who are starting. starting. And yeah. you very rarely see that 
that transition, that change in someone. So it's nice to actually see that if you are just starting, that this is not out of reach. We yeah. were talking about that. We had a conversation with our business coach yesterday and, and he's kind of wanting to talk about the huge, huge goals. And we're like, hey, can we just get through? Our next step is not, you know, this yeah. huge, huge vision. Yeah, so it's, it's nice to actually see someone who's, who's made that transition. Well, look, I mean, to be rather transparent with you both, I, I, I'm an Adelaide boy. I come from the northern suburbs of Adelaide. I mean, you tell that to anyone, they're like, damn, did you wear your bulletproof vest before you left the house? <laughs> You know, and, and I, I still live up this way. I still live up in the northern areas. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm innately at the core of me a, a bogan, I would say. So, so to me, if if I could do this, and and I was able to build a rather successful career in the US, and and you know, I I used to think that my postcode dictates what I'm able to do in my life, and it's just not true. You know, anyone can become a great communicator if this is something you choose to improve. If you choose not to improve it, well, then, then you're not going to become a good communicator. But if you choose to improve it, it's a skill. Anyone, if they choose to build a skill, can get better. It's just, do you want it as a skill? And, and I think what we, we both kind of believe, and, and I'm sure you both believe this yeah. too, is that this is not a soft skill. This is a crucial skill. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's kind of what I, I tell a lot of my clients is that you're sitting on a pool of talent. You know, you employ six, 7,000 people. Let me tell you now, you, you tell me there's out of the six, 7,000 people, there's, there's 300 high performers. I'm like, that's because those people accidentally discovered how to become high performers. A huge part of high performance is the ability to develop deep connections with people fast, the ability to communicate with clarity and the, the ability to communicate effectively. And I'm telling them, you're sitting on, you know, 300 high performers, you've got 6,000 people, there's there's probably 4,000 people in that mid-range in your organization that if you taught them how to communicate effectively, you can move them into the upper echelon. It's just that this is something that's not taught. Yeah. Mm. Not taught. It's just not. Yeah, right. This is one of those interviews that I'm going to have to go back and listen to it and like write down some of these <laughs> quotes. That's that's really awesome. <laughs> right. I'm just making it all up as I go anyway. So <laughs> no, no, don't that. Thanks for the kind words. <laughs> I find that fascinating though that you talk about like being in, you know, that postcode. Um, we both come from Logan, which is south of Brisbane and it's not, does not have a good name, but my dad, it. yeah, growing up, my dad would always tell me about Savage Garden. Do you remember Savage Garden from like the 90s? Yes, I do. Yeah, it's such They're a good from Logan. Fly me to the moon. Oh, yes. They went to They're the school. They're from Logan. Oh, yeah. So I, good. I can walk to the school they went to. It's just down the road. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah great band. Loved like, them in the 90s. Savage Garden can do it. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they had to put the word savage in there because they were savages. It's all they yeah, knew. Just, I think yeah, Savage yeah, Garden just, used a microphone a bit differently to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, look, it's, and to me, that's, that's why I, I, when I could, when I, when I used to be, when I was in Adelaide before, I'm back now, but we can't really speak in schools, but I, I tried to speak to the schools that I went to, you know, in the Northern suburbs, just saying to the kids that, if you worked on your ability to communicate, I can tell you now that because when, when we speak, we reveal our vocal image, right? And I think in society today, we focus a lot on our visual image, which is how we dress, how we come across, how we do our hair, because that's easy to do. You can buy the clothes, you can buy the gel, you can go get a haircut, right? But the thing is, we don't get taught to work on our vocal image. And when you reveal your vocal image, you do that when you speak. The moment you speak and you reveal that, 
people are making assumptions about who you are as a person. So again, if you don't work on the way you communicate and you put no thought into that, people can, they may be making terrible assumptions about who you are as a person. They may be making assumptions about your level of education, your level of confidence, your level of expertise, your level of authority. All of that comes through the moment you open your mouth. Yet we are not taught how to style ourselves vocally. To me, that's crazy. And if you don't do that, wow, you're damaging a child's potential moving forward. Or even, again, I don't believe in adults. We're all just grown children. And I fundamentally believe that if we don't teach grown children this, you're damaging and limiting their ability to evoke their full potential. I want to dive into this a little bit and pluck out some things that I think I've listened to you on every podcast you've ever been on, maybe. Um, oh, gosh. So I'm I remember- so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good. It's always good. I, I love listening to you speak about the three mm. instruments that a presenter plays. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. You mean, can you clarify the three instruments? Yeah. So you've got the, uh, it was your voice, your body and the audience. Is that right? Right, 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 right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry. It's look, I, the audience as an instrument, you do, you're not better than me, but the, the, the audience as an instrument is probably something that's relevant mostly to speakers, I'd say, Mm -hmm. but look, you have to start looking at your voice as an instrument. I think too many people don't look at their voice as an instrument. They just go, oh, it's just, it's just my voice. But no, it's, it's an instrument and you can play it well or you can play it poorly. And I think we see this happening. I mean, I, I often use this as an example and I, I did it through my course that you both did. And it's, it's the simple example is this. I'll play you a song, listen to it. And then I play them a sad song, a sad piano song. And then I play another song on the piano and it's a inspiring song. And I, and I ask them while they're experiencing these, these songs, I go, what do you feel when you're listening to these piano songs? And they go, oh, the first one I felt sad. It was melancholy. It was kind of depressing. The second one was inspiring. It was uplifting. It was exciting. And I, and I tell them, but the piano songs had no words. How did you know how to feel? And what I then kind of hopefully revealed to them is that, you see, there were no words, yet the melody was communicating a world of meaning. There's a world of meaning that lives underneath the melody that lives underneath your voice. This is why we sometimes say, oh, when, when Thomas or when Kate walks into the room, they, they lift the energy of the room. What are they talking about? They're talking about the way you use your voice. This is why you always hear that argument that, that, that you know, I know you're both aware of is that, oh, is what I say more important is, or is how I say it more important? Mm. Yeah. And the answer is both. Mm. And I think, I think in the world that we live in, we, we always want, oh, is this better or is that better? We want a black and white kind of answer. Mm. But communication is so much more, it's multifaceted. It's so much more complex than that. It's not one or the other. Why not have both when you can? Mm. Why choose one or the other? Like to me, that's crazy. That's like, should you wear pants or a shirt? Both. We're both. <laughs> don't, don't just pick one or the other. We're, we're both. Like it's both just metaphor. as important. Got like a Winnie the Pooh <laughs> thing going on with just your pants. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing, Winnie? Put some pants on. You know? And so, so to me, people have to just s- stop trying to just choose one or the other, because if I choose one or the other, I have to do less work. So you, your voice is an instrument and how you play your instrument matters. And, and, and if you've listened to all my podcasts, this is just going to make you want to vomit in the back of your throat because you've heard it so many times. But, but I'll say it again at the risk of making you vomit. I can take the greatest piece of music written by Beethoven. And if I play it poorly, will you perceive it to be the greatest piece of music? And I'll answer for you. The answer is no. no. So again, you, you could have the best piece of writing 
But if you say it poorly, people will not perceive it to be the most influential thing. How you say what you say matters. They're both just, uh, they're both just as important. Choose both. And work on both. Again, it's, it's like, again, shirt and pants, both. <laughs> and, and, and then you say the other, the other instrument, right? So, so your body is also an instrument. And, and the biggest thing that people are afraid of is, is they're afraid of the monotone voice. Anytime my students come to me, they go, oh, you know, I'm so afraid of a monotone voice. Mm. And I just tell them, a monotone voice comes from a monotone body. Your body is connected to your voice and your voice is connected to your body. So in my class, I teach my students that when you look a certain way, you'll feel a certain way. And when you feel a certain way, you'll sound a certain way. Look, feel, and sound. So then when you, when you look more confident with your body language, you'll feel more confident. When you feel more confident, you'll sound more confident. So our, our, our entire body, it's all connected. These instruments are all connected. They're not separate. They're all connected. So, so when you learn the foundations to how to use the vocal instrument, the body as an instrument, you then start to, to, to realize it is an instrument. And when I use this instrument in this certain way, like imagine playing the recorder, when I block this kind of place and when I block that and when I block that, it creates a different sound. And then it opens up people's minds and they go, oh man, damn, I never thought about it like this. But it really is. So the pieces of music and the metaphor that I kind of just shared, the music is your gift. The music is your message. The music is you doing what you love. And then if you don't play it well, people won't hire you. People won't give you a, a raise. People won't appreciate your work. You have to learn how to play the instrument. I can tell we've been listening to Vin for a long time because so much of, of what you're saying just like is so deeply ingrained in our philosophy here as well. I just, I love, I love listening oh, to that's you. Awesome. But your story, <laughs> your story about playing the piano poorly reminds me of another, one of my favorite podcasts comes out of Adelaide as well. And they, in one of the episodes, they record the guy, he's learning to play the guitar. And he's like, can you just give us a bit of um, dire straight? So he tries to play money for nothing for the first time into mm -hmm. a, it sounds not like it's one of the greatest riffs ever, right? Sounds nothing yeah. like it. it's just become this meme because it's so terrible. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean about butchering. Like it's some of the greatest music. Like if you don't know how to play it, it's not going to sound good. But that's the price you have to pay if you want to become great. Right. I, I think, I think one of the most original things you ever hear me say is if you want to become great, the price you have to pay is you first have to be shit. And, and that's just the reality of becoming great. Whereas I think a lot of people aren't willing to pay that price. And, and again, like I look back on my old videos and, and it, it really makes me squirm. <laughs> but that's, that's the journey you have to go through. You can't avoid being bad at something before you become great at it. It's just the price we have to be willing to pay. Yes, absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> so do you mind if we change direction here just a little bit? Yeah, of um, course. I want to kind of touch on the magic again, because I, I love magic in general. Um, but I have this idea, I have this dream of one day doing a handstand or a cartwheel or something, because that's kind of my skill set. I want to do that in a speech. Right. How do you incorporate a completely unique and unrelated skill into a speech without being like gimmicky and doing it like, oh, you just wanted to show people that you could do that? I mean, I'm in my thirties all... and I can do a cartwheel. I mean, I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Good on you. I'm also in my mid thirties and cannot do a cartwheel. So yeah. Well, well, look, that all comes down to the speaker's ability to be able to make the cartwheel relevant to the point that they're making. 
it, it's like, and I suffered from this when I first started my career. So when I first started, I was like, oh, I do magic. I should include some magic into my keynotes. Mm-hmm. So when I used to do this, Kate, what I did was I, I talk about a point and then I'll go, and here's a piece of magic randomly just to keep your attention. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to the next point. And here's a piece of magic random. And they had no, no connection. And when you do it with no connection, <laughs> what happened was one of my first keynotes I did, it was for a building association in Sydney and they paid me and it was my first paid keynote. And after I finished, the CEO came up to me and said, have you done this before? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. no, that was so bad. I actually <laughs> refunded their money because I felt sick in my stomach. And, and he actually sent me an email. Like I, I was ready to quit the speaking career because I was like, yep, not made for this. I was meant to be a magician. And then he sent me like a three-page email telling me how I could improve. And one of the things he wrote was there was such a huge disconnect between what you were performing and what you were saying. And what you have to understand is that your keynote, we absorb that as one whole thing. However, when you delivered it to us, it seemed like two things that were completely separate. There was no connection. And again, I told you, like I I was a complete noob at this this kind of keynote game. So I I didn't know. So I just went, here's a trick. Keep you all entertained. Here's a point. Yeah. It's the connection between the cartwheel and your point. And that is a skill that speakers have to develop if they want to really play in this arena. And, and it's not an easy skill. It's, it's actually very difficult. Mm. It's a very difficult skill to develop. I guess it's always that same question, uh, whether it's cartwheel or a magic trick or a stage movement or getting off the stage or including a yeah. slide is how is this adding to my presentation rather than, I guess like having a a magic trick sort of bolted on there just to be fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and the way to connect it and the way to get better at it is having deep knowledge in those two areas. So say, for example, when I first started speaking, I just thought, Oh, I'll just, I'll just talk about, I don't know, sales because that's what people wanted. And then I wasn't an expert on sales, but I was an expert on magic. So if you think about it, and I, I, you know, I know some of your listeners won't be able to uh, see this, but let's just say that there are 10 levels of depth. And with magic, I was, I was deep into the weeds. I was at like a level seven out of 10. I was you know, deeply understand this area. So I'll say I'm at a seven. However, my level of understanding for sales was say uh, uh, one, because <laughs> I didn't really know anything about it. I read one book on it. So to me, when you don't have depth in the area of sales, but you have depth in the area of magic, you will not be able to find the parallels. Therefore, you will not be able to create the links between the two worlds. So if you want to link the world of, you know, I'm assuming, you know, you do cartwheels because, you know, you, are you, are you, is your background in the area of gymnastics or? Yeah, from like 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, no, brilliant. Well, well, again, you have depth in that area. So whatever it is that you're speaking about, you have to ensure you have the same level of depth. And then what you do is you have to sit there with the world of magic or the world of gymnastics and the world of what you're speaking about and look for the common threads between the two worlds. And if you try to do this with only the depth in one world, it's, it's almost impossible. Or if you do it, it comes across as really cheesy, like you said, like, oh, he or she just wanted to show that they could do a magic trick. (laughs) Whoop-de-doo. Yeah, Yeah, because if I I wanted to see a magic trick, I'd go and see a magic show. Yeah, right. So so it's it's the ability to link it. I think you you can't, yeah. Otherwise, you know, and the Australian audiences are the audiences that are most skeptical of this. You know, if you you just get Australian audiences to come up, stand up and clap their hands and do this, they'll just be like, oh, God. No, mm. <laughs> but, if, but if you can link it well, they will love it. 
Yes. He is holding a playing card on screen, I see now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, just <laughs> fiddling. I'm, I fidget a lot, so. <laughs> All right, um, let's head back into the voice aspect because I'm really interested in this discussion that we had earlier about people who have, like, these brilliant minds and struggle to communicate particularly well. Um, what are some vocal techniques that they can start to bring out that will improve how they actually communicate their ideas? What, what you both went yeah. through where I talk about the, the five core foundations, right? And then the five yeah. core foundations are fairly straightforward. And, and the reason I, I wrote them out as the five core vocal foundations is it's based on the different ways you can play a musical instrument. So if, if you think about it, the first one is tempo, which is rate of speech. So your rate of speech is something that you can vary. And what people fall victim to is, especially in, in professional jobs where you're having the same conversation with customers or clients often, is you get stuck in a default rate of speech. Mm -hmm. And if, for example, we on this podcast just get stuck in a default rate of speech like this and we don't vary our rate of speech and we just keep going like this, after a while, this becomes monotonous, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It becomes yeah. monotonous and boring. So you, you must learn to vary your rate of speech. And the, the simple rule of thumb is, if what you're talking about is very important, slow down. And that acts as a verbal highlight to the person listening. Mm -hmm. Focus on this. And all of a sudden, that gives you a little bit of variety. Because when it's really important, slow down. When it's not as important, speed up. That yeah. simple rule allows you to vary your rate of speech with meaning, with purpose. And we've got so innate senses for that. Yes, we do. The listeners do. Because when, when you slow down, they listen, they lean in. They listen harder, right? So again, you've got to realize that's why the audience is also an instrument, that when you play your instrument, you impact the way they, 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 they listen to it. And then there's the second one, right? Which is your volume. Look at it as having a scale from one to 10. You know, don't be afraid of the loud volume. When, when you need to be more intense, then bring on the intensity. But then when you need to you know, sometimes create a moment of impact, you can, you can draw them in by being more quiet. So again, it's, it's like a full scale. Why, 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 not, why not play the entire instrument? Why just play part of it? So, so volume, when, when you use good volume, it shows vitality. It shows confidence. It shows authority. It shows that you believe in the things you're saying. Whereas so many of my students who are, again, technically minded when they do come to me, sometimes they speak with a really small volume. And, and there's not that there's anything wrong with that volume. It's just that you're not taking advantage of the entire scale. You know, you're only playing where you're comfortable. So again, I, I tell my students, you know, try, try, to, try to live at about a five because you go through life coming across as more confident, coming across with more authority. And then when you speak, everything you say, you seem like you're saying it with conviction. And that's, a, that's really powerful. The third one is pitch and melody. So do exercises. There's a great book called uh, How to Set Your Voice Free by Roger Love. And he has male and female exercises where he'll teach you how to build that vocal range. And when you've got more range, you sound more interesting and people listen to you more, right? And, and again, when you speak, it's more pleasant for people to listen. Otherwise, if we both just down here and don't have any melody, it's going to be really boring, right? So again, melody is, is powerful. So build your range by, it's a great book, there's like a five minute exercise you can do every morning and it'll help you build your vocal range. So pitch and melody, third one. The fourth one is tonality, which is the emotion that lives underneath your voice. And the emotion that lives underneath your voice, you can access it with your facial expressions. So if you, if you know how people say they can hear a smile? Yeah. It's because they can, because when you smile, it adds more melody into your voice. 
And there are six core human emotions in, in psychology that they've, they've kind of worked this out. You've got happy, sad, disgust, surprise, fearful, and angry. So these are the six core human emotions and each one of those facial or each one of those emotions has a corresponding facial expression. So, you know, if you made a disgusted face, then all of a sudden you sound disgusted. And the problem that most people have is that they get stuck in a default face, which is called a blank face. And if, if we all just go into a blank face for a moment, if I just kind of give you blank face, then, then I just talk to you like this. This is me in a blank face. There's no expression on my face right now. It's just blank. It's neutral, which means it's a neutral tonality. That's not fun and to interact with. No, it's not humanizing, is it? And, and a lot of leaders get stuck in this because they don't learn the importance of tonality. And I've seen this happen to so many of the leaders that I work with is that they go, oh, you know, I just don't know why I'm not connecting with the people that I'm leading. I'm not connecting with my, my colleagues. And I'm like, all you have to do is move your face. <laughs> move your face. Yeah, and, and if you move your face, it gives, it breathes life into who you are as a person. It humanizes you as a leader and people will be able to connect with you more, right? And, and, and it, sometimes with communication, it's not about doing 15 of these things. In communication, when I teach it, it's sometimes I can tell a person to change three things, sometimes even two, and it will completely change the way they come across. And your face is one of them, right? So, so that's, that's, that's a big one. That's tonality. And the final one is the pause. That thing right there. People are afraid of it. Yet the pause is one of the most powerful and one of the most beautiful notes in music. I love, I love listening to orchestral music. And, and when you listen to a very intense orchestral piece and they, they, they build it up to a crescendo and then they just pause and they hold that pause for 10 seconds. It's magnificent. It's exquisite. It's just, oh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And when you speak, the same thing applies because when you pause, you give people time to process what you've just said. So the listeners right now, when I pause, you're processing what I've just said. Mm -hmm. And also when you pause, you learn how to get rid of all the fillers and all the non-words and filler words. The ums, the ahs, the and, the do you know what I mean? So, like, you start to get rid of those. Those are, it's verbal clutter and it's decreasing the clarity of your message when you speak. These are the five ways in which you can manipulate the instrument to be able to have more impact and to be able to be more influential. And if you get good at these five things, that's what great communicators do. They're varying those five things and they're doing it intentionally. They're not just leaving it to chance. They're doing it with purpose. And I, I, I bet you, any of the listeners now, if you think about a communicator that you love and you adore, listen to them again and think about their rate of speech, think about their volume, their use of volume, pitch variety, tonality, and pause. They've mastered those five things. They didn't just get good at them. They mastered them. Yeah, right. So I think about someone like my husband, who's an engineer, and he's an extreme introvert. He's kind of very quiet, very um, reserved. And I do wonder, like, if I heard him suddenly use different pace or, like, more than a four volume, I don't know if I've right. ever heard him raise his voice ever. Um, if I heard him use all of these things, that, to me, I would go, oh, that's not Owen. That's, that's a different man. So how does, how does that match with being authentic? Is that a clear question? Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and this, comes up, this comes up more often than not because I, I, yeah. I push my students in my classes to do outrageous things and I, and I believe in the process. And, mm. and this is the metaphor I share with them. I'll, I'll share with you the same metaphor. You see, a, a piano has 88 keys, 
And far too often, we have become very comfortable with these 12 keys over here. And when we're playing with our instrument in the way we've always been playing with it, we become very comfortable. And then when I ask you to play with your voice over here, and my goodness, what if I pushed you to doing that? And then when I push my students to do that, they go, oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's fake and it's phony. And I tell them, how is it fake and phony? How is it fake? You made the sound. How, like, how can it actually be fake? You, you, actually, you successfully made that sound. It's not fake. It's not phony. Here's the problem. You've just become extremely comfortable with the keys over here. And when I get you to play with these keys over here, you're just unfamiliar with them. That's all. It's not a case mm -hmm. of fake or phony. It's just you're unfamiliar with your husband using a louder volume. That's all that it yeah. is. So, so to me, the goal in communication is to learn the entire instrument. That's the goal because that's when you can become the most authentic. You can become the most authentic when you have full access to the instrument. Otherwise, if I just use these keys here at this volume, and this is how I spend the rest of my life, is this me being the most authentic that I can be? No, it's not. I don't believe that is the full authentic me. I believe the full authentic me is when I can express myself with my entire instrument. And, and, and that's what I fundamentally believe. And, and then my students will also ask me the same question. They say, Vin, how about introvert versus extroverts and, and the way they communicate? And then I ask my students a question in return. Does it change how a pianist will play if they're an introvert? Does it change how they will play if they're an extrovert? And I find the answer to be no. In that the fundamental way you use your voice, whether you are an extrovert or an introvert, the foundations of how to use your voice well are the same. Does it, does it change how an introvert runs? Does it change how an extrovert runs? The way, you, the way you foundationally use your body when you're running is the same. And I find we tend to use these as excuses, excuses especially a lot of my students who are introverts. They, they say to me, and again, I call these out because I, I don't want my students to use excuses that are not valid. And, and they hide behind that. And I say to them, look, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, there will come a time where you're going to have to play a song so damn well that the rest of your life is going to depend on that, that your potential will depend on that. There's going to come a time where you will have to speak up for an idea, for an, a vision, for something that you believe in. And if you don't use your voice well in that moment, opportunities will pass you by. Lovers will pass you by. Potential will pass you by. And you'll become bitter. So the goal is not to fundamentally shift and completely change how you speak, but rather it is learn how to use this entire instrument. So when that moment or opportunity presents itself, you will play the best damn song in the best damn way that they've ever seen or heard. And that opportunity will be yours. That potential will be evoked. The sad part is when people use that as an excuse because they go, this is my identity. This is who I am in the present. Therefore, this will be who I am forever into the future. Don't be so attached to who you are in the present that you don't give the future version of you a chance. Don't. Who you are now is just who you are now. It's not even a true indication of who you can be tomorrow or who you can be next month. And how you currently speak, don't be so attached to that because people go, oh, this is my natural voice. And, and then I tell them, look, I hate to drop another bombshell on you, but the voice you have right now is not your natural voice. It's your habitual voice. These are the series of habits that you've developed along the way. And you've just gotten used to these habits. It's not even your natural voice. You lost your natural voice when you were like two. The voice you have now are a series of habits that you've adopted because of the people you admired when you were young. And it may be good and it may be bad, but it's your habitual voice. It's not your natural voice. I, th I think we see that difference between people who speak 
well. And like you say, you're sitting on a, a mountain of ideas and information that ought to be shared. Um, and that's, that's authentic to yourself. I think the difference between people who speak well is they've made movements to be better at the skill of communicating. I've said before, like I don't think anybody is born a, a really good communicator. So you've got people who've worked on that skill and you've got other people who I think have this conversation with themselves, which is, I'm not a particularly good communicator. Therefore, I'm going to sit here and do stuff all mm. about it. And nothing changes moving into the future. And the classic thing they say is, I'm going to let my work do the talking. Okay. Now, look, that's true to a certain extent. That's true to a certain extent. And then there's proof of people who don't have to become exceptional communicators and can become wildly successful. An example of that is Elon Musk, right? He is one of the most intelligent human beings on this earth. Yet, if you see him present, like again, like I, I, I love Elon, so I will sit through anything that he does. Whereas my wife, she goes, oh my God, turn it off. I can't listen to him anymore, right? Mm. And I love it. I'm like, I don't care that, you know, you're not an exceptional communicator. But then you have to ask yourself, are you Elon Musk? And if you are, then great. Don't worry about your communication skills. You can, you can become the third richest man in the world or richest person in the world by, by not even... But then you have to ask yourself, are you a unicorn? So to me, if you're a unicorn, you have my permission. Go for it. Don't worry about your communication skills. It's all good. Just keep doing what you do. But that's if you've got a horn growing out of your head. Okay? If you don't have a horn growing out of your head and you're not a unicorn, you better start working on your communication skills. I'm not a unicorn. I have to work on my communication mm. skills, right? So, so to me, unless you're an exception and then you are that kind of, that, that, that exceptionally brilliant human being where your work can speak for you and your work does speak louder than your words, then sure. But often most people are not, th their work is going unnoticed. Their work is underappreciated and goes unheard and falls on deaf ears. The number of startups that start every year with exceptionally passionate and brilliant entrepreneurs that fall on deaf ears is astounding. Because not because the product people. isn't great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because there's, there's other people with less capability, with less potential who can communicate better. Mm. Yeah. That's beating you. And unfortunately, that's who is going to win. It's not going to be the one who has the most brilliant work. It's going to be the communicator. That's right. So, so to me, I tell my students who are technically brilliant, I tell them, you are the people that have the, the capacity to change the world. And then I realize after teaching all these brilliant people, I realize like, I, like I'm so pathetic in so many ways because I'm surrounded by so many incredible students that are so technically brilliant. I tell them, look, like I, teaching all of you has made me realize how empty of a shell of a human that I am, right? It's just, I, I can't change the world with what I do, but I can teach people who have the skill set of changing the world, who have the technical ability to change the world. Because if you learned how to communicate effectively, not only will you be able to inspire people to listen to you, you know how to change the world in your area now. Like, that's amazing. Like These are the people that are going to change the world. Whereas I find there's a lot of people right now who, who accidentally understand how to use their voice really well and are selling things that are snake oil. It's fraudulent in nature, right? It's the quick rich schemes that we see just explode as a result of, you know, this online world and sure they can speak, they can communicate exceptionally well, but what they're selling is awful. And that's as a result of people who just have the gift of the gab and it's the, it's all sizzle, no steak. Right. Whereas, whereas again, I, I tell my students again, I, and, and they, they get really inspired because of this, because I tell them you are the very people who 
are going to change the world, but you have to take on the responsibility of doing your ideas justice, of doing your potential justice by learning how to articulate that value, by learning how to articulate your gift. I'm just like, I'd reach through a screen and kiss you if I could at the moment, Vin. Uh, <laughs> instead, what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you a different question, which is... Brilliant, I love that. <laughs> My wife would kick your ass if you did. Yeah. Yeah. We, I won't uh, tell her about... I don't know. <laughs> instead, what I'm going to do, I have a question, which is, who has it right? Who is who is communicating to the best of this ability? Who out there is has got a good message, got the good content? And has this delivery right? Oh, there's there's many. I mean, one of the ones that I'm I'm diving deep into now is Bernay Brown. Like, I'm sure you're both oh, aware nice. of her. Like, I've become a huge fan of hers in the last kind of two years because I've had to do a lot of self work, and you know, I, I was I was doing a project after project after project because I was avoiding self examination. And Bernay Brown does such a great job. I love listening to her on podcasts. She. She, she, she communicates her message in such a human way, you know, where like, I feel so deeply connected to her when I listen to her. I'm like, oh, oh, you know, I, I love this woman. I want to be her best friend. And, and to me, she's one of the people who, who that doing it exceptionally well, you know, and, and it's, it's because she's learned how to, maybe she's had it innately, maybe it's a gift of hers, but she just has this way of communicating where I feel like I'm listening to my mum. <laughs> She probably hates that. She maybe sister, and and she does it in such a loving and caring and and, and beautiful way, an authentic way. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome, Vin. This has been amazing. I've picked up so much good stuff from you um, that even I wasn't expecting to to learn anything more. But I've, oh, I've just loved it so much. It's true. It's okay. Um, Thanks for having me. <laughs> so you've talked about you've had to learn all of this speaking skill. Is there? I'm going to put you on the spot. One book or a resource or one thing that you could recommend yeah. that has helped you the most? Yeah, look, I mean, I mentioned the book already, so I'll, I'll, I'll mention something else. Uh, I, I have this kind of conveniently here, which was funny. Uh, <laughs> this is not what you think it is. It's not just a close-up mat. A lot of people, magicians will go, oh, that's a close-up mat. That's a, that's a mat that you do magic on. But no, it's not. It is a three-way mirror. It's a three-way mirror. Sorry, I was hmm. blocking the mic. That's what it is. Okay. So magicians use this to build extreme self-awareness when we're, we're doing sleight of hand. And self-awareness is something that is critical when you are trying to improve the way you communicate. It's absolutely critical. You have to build self-awareness because when you ask people for feedback and you go, oh, you know, I just did a talk. Can you give me some feedback? Most people go, oh, no, you did great. That was brilliant, Susie. That was a really good talk, James. Don't worry. Um, the only thing I'll say is maybe speak a bit slower that's probably the only real piece of feedback anybody's going to give you because people are afraid to give you real feedback because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Mm -hmm. So as a magician, I was able to build extreme self-awareness with this kind of three-way mirror. If you're listening, it's just a mirror that is three ways. And when magicians use this and use this well, we can achieve a level of mastery where you could surround us and we know exactly what you see and we know exactly how to hide sleight of hand from you. And that's the difference between a piece of magic and, 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 and just a trick, right? If it's a trick or is an astonishing piece of magic, it's that self-awareness that magicians have to gain. Now, linking that to the world of communication, I've always wanted to create like a three-way review process. And, and this is what you should do. To, 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 to get a true sense of how others are perceiving you right now, 
record a five minute video of yourself speaking on your phone. We all carry around now a phone that's capable of recording 4K. So you've got no excuse. Record a five minute video of yourself. What you say is not important. Just talk about what you had for lunch. Talk about a passion of yours. Content is not that relevant right now. And once you've got that video, review it in three ways. The first time you review it, turn the audio all the way up and then just listen to yourself. Just listen and take notes. How's the five foundations? Rate of speech, volume, pitch, and melody, tonality, pause. Take notes, build self-awareness. What do you like? What don't you like? Build self-awareness, write a list. The second time you review it, put it on mute and then just watch yourself. Take notes. Are you moving your face? Are you moving your body? Take notes, build self-awareness. And then the final time, get it transcribed. Get it transcribed. And when you get things transcribed, there's many resources that can do it for you. There's one called rev, rev.com. It's a dollar per minute. Pay five bucks, get it transcribed. And then when you get it transcribed, it asks you, would you like us to leave your filler words and your non-words in there? Yes and yes. And once you get it transcribed with the filler words and non-words, sit there with a highlighter, red preferably, because red looks terrible and it makes you even more aware of your filler words and non-words. Highlight all the words you use all the time. Highlight the sounds that you use to fill the silence unnecessarily. This is going to give you a 360 review on how others are perceiving you right now. Go through this process, start to build self-awareness. Like magicians use a three-way mirror. Like you use a mirror when you wake up in the morning to do your hair. Create a mirror for yourself because there may be something metaphorically stuck in your teeth and it's been there for 30 years Let's once and for all clean up the way we communicate visually and vocally. That is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Vin. That's okay. All right, well, no if, if the listeners have loved you as much as we do, where can people find you, Vin? Look, you can, you can find me on social media, even though I'm, I'm not posting as much anymore, but uh, on, on Ask Vin, so just A-S-K-V-I-N-H. Or if you want to join me for an online class or an in-person class when we get to have them again, just go to stageworkshop.live. So stageworkshop.live. Brilliant. Excellent. What a fantastic episode. Um, yeah, I too will probably be listening back to this one, taking some notes. Who am I kidding? I go back and edit it. So I will definitely listen and make <laughs> notes. But thank you so much, Vin Zhang, for being on the Presentation Boss podcast. No worries. Love what you both do. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's show. Head to presentationboss.com.au slash podcast where you'll find the show notes for this episode, all other episodes and other free resources. If you know someone that you'd like to hear from on this show or think that you have something of value to share, email us at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Or we'd love for you to give us a review on iTunes. It helps more people find us. Have a great week.